All right. Welcome to another episode of Share Your Story with Chet. Who I have today on is someone that I've been communicating with for a while, but to very simply put it, this gentleman, he is a family man. He's a surfer. I know that for a fact. <laughs> he might tell us a story about his surfing incident recently. Uh, he's also a leader. You know, in my conversations with Matthew Brown from Bricklet, uh, what I figured out over time uh, is that he's definitely got the leadership skills and he's also been a great motivator for his team. And these are conversations that we've had over time. Uh, so what I wanted to do is I want to sh- share his story let us discover more about him his mindset and how he goes along with things so before we move on matt i'd love for you to just introduce yourself a little bit great thanks chat that was a pretty good introduction uh, all by yourself there mate so yeah like you mentioned um i'm a family man happy married two young boys um everything i try and do in life um reflects back to that golden thread of um helping them create success in their lives or empowering them being an example for for my boys and just creating um all of the opportunities that I can so that they can just live an amazing life. Uh, in terms of career wise, um I started my career out as a school teacher, so I'm a PE teacher by trade. Um very quickly I transitioned across into finance. Um and I did it very haphazardly. Um I was retraining to become an accountant and I met uh, a guy in a gym who was one of my very early mentors. um and he was sort of earning my annual salary in in one month so my annual teaching salary he was earning in a single month and i sort of asked him like so what do you do and he said oh, i sell finance he was a mortgage broker so this was back um 15 16 years ago now quite a while ago um i was a mortgage broker for a while then i transitioned into um asset management or financial planning and then i've been um uh, working for myself for probably 15 years um as a financial planner accountant and mortgage broker so we run now a small sort of family office uh helping smes maximize their profits and then driving those profits into a wealth creation strategy and then over and above all of that i work at bricklet um uh helping people build sophisticated uh property portfolios so i'm a man of many things you're an entrepreneur if we put it in our words right uh, let's put it that way <laughs> so amongst everything you're doing now something what i'd love to know what was your first job like what was the first thing you actually started with you know and i think a lot of people may not know about know anything about you Uh, yeah. What was your first job? So my very first job, I'm a bit of a hustler, so um I like to just work out what's the best way I can get maximum return on effort. So back when I was about 14 or 15, um I my dad had me out there mowing our own lawns and I figured out well I can start make like 10, 15 bucks mowing my lawn. I wonder how much the next door neighbor would pay for me to mow their lawns. It was actually double the amount. So I was doing that and then one day when I was driving to soccer I noticed that we were driving through an industrial area and there were lots of overgrown front lawns of all of these offices. So I talked to my dad into uh driving me up there um on the school holidays and I went down I handed out all these flyers knocked on doors and basically drummed up enough business so that once a month I'd have a full day of mowing lawns which came out to about, be about 200 bucks. So that was a huge amount of money to a 14 15 year old um when you think about Macca's paying you 5 bucks to flip burgers I was up there making 200 bucks on a you know 6 hours on a Saturday. Um and that was that was really cheap for the the owners as well. 
So that was my very, very first entrepreneurial, I suppose, endeavor. Um, that lasted for a little while until um, soccer season started and I couldn't get up there and mow the lawns anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my first taste of uh, sort of running a small business. So was that, do you think that little experience, which a lot of people might not uh, value much, but do you think that set you up for where you are today or what you're doing today? Do you think that experience was very, very important that paid such a vital role in where you are today? Yeah, um, I just, I also think um, just from a very early age, um, I realized that, uh, you know, everyone can work, work trade time for money, um, but you've got to work out how you can maximize uh, that for yourself, for your own benefit. Um, so then I've just always been trying to uh, do that through the course of my uh, career. And it's probably one of the main reasons why I got out of um, the Department of Education and teaching, because I couldn't work out a way how I could leverage my skill set within the Department of Education um, uh, to actually maximize my time I- in that particular role. So, yeah, definitely one of the reasons. Very interesting about that. And, you know, I was going to actually ask you a little bit about your journey, but I guess this, these are all the different things that make up your journey, right? Like whether it's education, whether it's being a PE teacher, whether it's doing other things. Have these all things been part of your journey to where you are today and made you or made you do whatever you're doing today? Have, have they really contributed in where you are today, Matthew? Oh, 100%. So all the skills that I learned um, to become a, a PE teacher, I utilize in what I do now, um, working, um, teaching adults now, financial literacy, how to manage their money, how to invest. And then also um, specifically in bricklets and as a bricklet specialist, I teach um, people that want to learn about fragmented property investment. And then I also teach them how to build um, diversified portfolios of property. So yeah, um, you know, most people are very, very uh, scared of getting up in front of a group of people and, and speak. I actually thrive. I love it. So if you, if I get uh, any chance to get up on stage and do a presentation or talk to big groups of people, um, it's one of the things that I really, really enjoy. So yeah, all of those little trainings that I've um, been taught along the way um, have been beneficial where, I, where I'm at today now. And also, I think it's very important to um, be able to break down a very complex skill or task uh, and be able to explain that very, very simply. Um, and that's definitely one of the things that you're taught as a teacher. Um, you know, you need to take very complex uh, bits of imp- parts of information and be able to disseminate that down uh, so that it's very, very easily understandable to the students, whoever they might be. So, Matthew, one of the questions I really want to ask you and simply put it out to us, what drives you? What drives Matt Brown to do what he's doing today? Yeah, uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, I've pondered on that uh, a lot over the, my years uh, in my personal life and also professional. Um, so in my professional life, I guess what really drives me is um, I like to empower people to create success in their life. And a big part of that is firstly getting them to identify what that success means or looks like for them um, and then helping them put a strategic plan in place to actually implement and and achieve or live out that life Um, and and I guess for myself as well in helping other people create success that also then um, creates success for myself and my family so they're probably the key um, drivers for me Um, but really uh, in the last couple of years I've really done a lot of work on um, getting to know like who I am my personality my strengths 
um, and then really just um, crafting my career or, or what I do for work to make sure that I'm um, living out in all those talents or allowing those talents to thrive. So um, a really good um, test to do is uh, it's called the Gallup Strengths Finder. So it's a really good sort of personality test that then um, looks at, you know, I think you answer about 50 questions or so, might even be a bit more. And then it comes out and it puts you, gives you sort of six categories of your like strongest personality traits and then some other auxiliary personality traits. Um, and that will really allow you to then get a better understanding of what you should be spending a lot more of your time with career-wise, just in your life. Yeah, we spend so many hours days, weeks, years working. Um, it's a lot more fun and rewarding if you are working in an area which you're really passionate about. You talk about the Gallup survey. I remember taking this test many, many, many years ago. Uh, probably beneficial for me to take it again. I haven't honestly thought about taking it again because I just took it once uh, at the start of my career. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. That, that does <laughs> help. Yeah, so I um I think it's one of those things, you know, because we are we're evolving. Oh, we should be. Hopefully, we're evolving. Um, so as we're learning new things, as we're evolving, we're changing, and then therefore your personality uh, will change as well. So your natural bents will um will sometimes change. So yeah, it's good to when you're coming to a fork in the road and trying to make certain decisions about which direction you're going to go to just get really have a thorough understanding of uh, who you are. Uh, it's going to really help you. Um, yeah, create that success and allow you to thrive. Awesome. I'm going to put the Gallup test in the comments below of the podcast as well. So if anybody wants to take it, uh, yeah, that's amazing, you know. Uh, and again, it's about, that's what I'm saying, right? When we want to grow, there's so many different people who we can get inspiration and so many different things we can use and tools in this generation. Uh, so thank you for that. And hopefully people will sort of take this again. So I guess coming back to the point and you've been talking about it, you know, but how do you sort of, progress uh, how do you grow like i think a lot of people that i was an example where i was doing the same thing for a long time and i was very happy with it but i've really worked on a growth mindset where i'm trying to evolve like you just said trying to move forward so what do you do to progress or grow uh, yourself um so for me uh the most growth that i've had i guess is when i really um took a step back uh, and really took some time to get a better, better understanding of uh, myself, who I was, what my talents were and the things that I enjoyed doing the most. Um, uh, and then from there, I've been very fortunate to be able to then craft a career around those things. Um, so that's when I probably progressed the most um, professionally. Uh, and then, you know, having an understanding, you know, that I, I have the personality where I always like to chase the next um, shiny object. So the next tool or the next, whatever it, whatever it is um so once you understand that then you need to really be um, mindful of finishing all of the pro projects or tasks that you currently have before you start something new um the other thing is uh you know like i'm not i'm not a ceo um i know that i run my own business for many many years i've been a partner in, in businesses for many many years and when i was playing that ceo role um it, it wasn't my it wasn't my natural bent or my natural talent so the best thing that I've done is surround myself with people who complement my skill set. So, you know, I've got two business partners who are fantastic. Uh, one is the CEO, he runs the, our firm. Um, and my other uh, business partner is a very, very detailed process driven guy. 
So he keeps uh, me and everyone else on on track with that. And it's all around um, you know le- knowing who you are and then building a team around you, especially if you're in a leadership role, to help yourself um, create success and thrive um, and grow. And then also for them, because if you fill a room or a team full of leaders or CEOs, nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. <laughs> so you need, you need too many chefs. Uh, definitely spoil the broth so yeah you just got to have a um get a better a really good understanding of you know who you are what your skill set is and then as much as possible surround yourself with other people who are going to um assist you support you yeah well said and i was on a podcast with someone the other day and the same you know she told me the same thing it was just about having the right people the right doing the right job uh makes life so much easier because everyone's not good at everything and you need to understand that but also i guess if you want to excel in certain things you don't want to be doing certain tasks because you can't do everything yourself right having the right people so you can focus on what you do is probably a better way to lead any team i guess and uh, you you obviously are one of the leaders that i've met who are leading a team in the right direction and yeah. after the conversation we've had uh, you know i can really figure out your leadership style But what is your leadership style? If I ask you, yeah, what is your specific one? Yeah, so very much, very often my well, so my leadership style is um, very. I guess you would say it's very loose, or I like to empower my staff or the people that I'm working with to just get their tasks done in their own time, as long as we're hitting the milestones that we're looking to get to. Um, I certainly am not a micromanager. Um, I just uh, like to um, think about the big picture, how that's all working, put together that strategic plan. And then as long as everyone in the team then understands what needs to happen along the way, um, and then just let them get that done. Um, I also really like having, you know, sort of a daily huddle where you can just sort of get together with your team, quickly break down um, what's been happening the day before, and then what are the um, significantly important tasks for the current day. And then that way you're not letting anything really become to a bottleneck. You're checking in every day, working making sure that everything was supposed to get done yesterday has been completed and then for t- today all of the high priority tasks are getting actioned. And then just having this daily huddle running every day works really really well. So that's how I that's my sort of management style. It's amazing. To your point, you know, when I used to work in hospitality uh, a few years ago, we've got a very common thing i think in most hotels is having a morning meeting where all the executives get together normally it's 8 or 9 o'clock and then the general manager always sort of goes with the department heads and says okay what are you doing today what's happening are we updating them and then a lot of the gms then they don't sort of interfere in what you're doing you just report back to them uh, it makes sense because having that little time in the morning to plan the day going ahead and doing what you're doing and then probably just reporting back and saying the milestones been done or where you're at uh is a great way of managing teams uh because you're not a micromanager anymore you're actually a macro manager but you're making everyone responsible for their areas as well and uh i guess that's so important that accountability in this day and age people want to be accountable they want to be known for what they're doing as well and I guess they do a lot more if they're accountable if you hold them accountable and responsible for something what is your thought on this Uh yeah so hold, definitely holding people accountable um I think is important but I like to think of it more in terms of like empowering people to get the things that they need to get done um within the allocated time frames 
So with everyone sort of transitioning to work from home now and people having, you know, sort of offices um, spread all over the world, lots of small entrepreneurial business have um, overseas outsourced type of staff. So when you start to um, build these types of teams, then you really need to, you can't micromanage, it's impossible because you just can't, you don't have everyone in a room or in one office. Um, everyone's working in different time zones, they're working uh, it's, you know, it's in different countries. Um, so you really have to have a good way of organizing um, each, as I guess, project so that everyone understands each individual task that, that they're getting done. And then that overall, that project comes together. Um, and then someone, okay, I suppose, I suppose is, is monitoring that. But I think, you know, the majority of adults now, um, you know, if left to their own devices and they're getting paid to do a job, they get that job done. Um, because otherwise they simply, you know, that employer will just move them on. Um, so I don't think the, the micromanaging manager is, is thriving at the moment. They would be really struggling with the current um, dynamics that the world is in. Um, so, yeah, I just think much better. And there's just so much better tools now with, you know, like um, project management software and, and so on. And so the communication um, the software out there now, it's so much easier to manage big teams uh, on a single project and, and allocating tasks out. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, project management is something that I'm working towards now because it's, it's a new thing for me. You know, uh, working with a remote team and a lot of people, like you said, you're right. A lot of people are working with remote teams now, even if it's working from home, it technically becomes remote. It's not the same environment when you see the people and it takes a bit of getting used to it. Took me a while to get used to it uh, because I wasn't sure how to manage it, but I guess I'm learning as I go and it's getting better every day. And to your point, exactly. You can't micromanage a remote team. You need to be, you sort of got to go with the flow and understand how to deal with them. Uh, but yeah, that's a great point. And but definitely for yourself, like marketing is all about project management because, you know, people are creating, um, for example, a piece of content and then that piece of content that needs to get, get, you know, put into all those places so that eyeballs is going to be able to see that, which is going to attract the attention. And then you're going to be monitoring all of those different things. And there's so many different platforms, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, like you uh, really have to have thorough project management plans. And then obviously you've got multiple different clients. So you've got similar things happening for all different types of clients um, and then all the different pieces of content for each of those clients. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it can definitely become very overwhelming if you're not good at managing, um, managing people or, or, or tasks like that. So that's why you really should be trying to leverage off um, great software tools that are out there at the moment. Absolutely. What do you use? So I actually... For me, to be honest, I have two or three basic tools that I use. One thing is Slack, which I use for communication with my yep. team, which has worked out well. I've recently got into uh, using the software called TickTick, but it's something like Notion and all. It's basically, it's a simple project management tool just for myself. Uh, yep. And I use Slack and Google Drive to actually manage my projects with people. Yep. For me, this works very well because I've got one that just manages me and helps me keep on track of the tasks yep. I need to do. Then I sort of executed through Google Drive uh, and Slack has been really good because Slack just helps you communicate in a different way. It's more professional yeah. than using WhatsApp, I believe, uh, yeah. because people know they're working on that. Uh, to be honest, within these three tools and a few automations that I do, I it's been working out okay exactly. for the business that I'm running at this point of time. I don't know when I scale up next what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, 
I think uh, productivity tools are really, really beneficial. Mate, a little piece of advice. Every time you sort of double staff, so if you go from like three staff to six staff, you know, systems start to break down or more systems need to be created. Then when you go from sort of five staff to 10 staff, everything sort of breaks again, 10 to 20. So every time you start doubling your headcount, you're going to uh, start to see, uh, you know, systems and processes breaking down and uh, because you, so you simply can't be managing 20 or 40 people. So you then have to have layers of management and so on and so forth. But these are all of the... Uh, fun things that you will learn as you grow into a huge, successful, profitable enterprise. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that is obviously the goal is to move to the next level. Uh, again, you know, talk, my first podcast interview with somebody uh, that I started and one of his sayings was that you need to know when to stop as well. And that's something that everybody needs to know. And like you said, you know, you don't want to be a CEO or the certain things you want to do. You need to have a goal. You don't want to sit there and thinking, I just want to have this huge business all the time. You need to know when you can stop, what you can manage and how you can control. Uh, and I guess that's in any business, even for you, I guess you know something that you want to do where you want to stop versus just letting it go with the flow. Yeah, well, some people want to grow huge um, Facebook-style enterprises. Other people just want to have um, create financial security and time freedom. So depending on what type of business that you want or the sort of industry that you're in, um, you, but you should really have an end goal in mind, whether that's a revenue goal, a profit goal, whatever that may be. And those things will change over, over time as well. Obviously, at the moment, well, not obviously, but um, I have young children under the age of 10. So I want to try and spend the maximum amount of time that I can with them definitely on the weekends and then you know after school as well so that means i try and wrap up my day somewhere between three and four o'clock which is difficult at times um but uh it's definitely one of my goal in this short period of time where i have um you know young children uh, as a big part of uh, my life well i was actually going to ask you <laughs> one of the questions i was going to ask you was how do you sort of manage your work with sort of keep active and manage your own life at the same time so Oh, work-life balance? Yeah, work-life balance. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in work-life balance. So and the, the, reason I, the reason I say that is because in certain parts of your career or certain parts of your home life, you need to put 100% or you know, 90% into, into something. Um, so I, try, I think about my balancing, just, just balancing my life. There's no work you know, personal, it's just balancing my life. Uh, and the way that I try and do that is I try and think about it as like I'm juggling balls. So I have like the family ball, I have friends, I have my career, um, you know, I, I have the, my, my, my staff and my, my employees and how do I keep all of these things happy um, and, and still spinning in the air. Uh, and at times, um, you know, when you're working on big projects or uh, in, at work, you know, you could be doing 60, 70 hours a week, especially if you're a young, uh, just starting up a young business then you're going to be spending a lot of time just building out that, 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 that the foundations of that particular the firm. Um, so you're going to have to spend a lot of hours doing that, testing, measuring, coming back, changing, so on and so forth. Um, so at those times, it's hard to do that and then also have, for example, a young family that you really want to be there to see your kids first walk and teach them to play soccer and do all these other different things. Um, so I think, you know, when you think about um, creating success in your life um, and how you balance those things out, it's really important that uh, your partner and you are on the same page in terms of the goals that you're looking to try and achieve. Um, and then having an allocation and then focusing on what you're actually doing at that particular time. So what I mean by that is when you're at work, 
don't be staring off into the air thinking about missing your children or um, spending time, more time with your partner. You know, focus on the task at hand, get that work done at the highest quality as quickly as possible. So then you can then go and enjoy that downtime. When you're at home at the dinner table, get the phone away. Get off all of your Facebook and all of that rubbish and then communicate with your family. Spend that quality time. And even though it may not be multitudes of hours, um, sometimes it's not about the quantity of, of time that you spend with people, but it's about the quality that you can um, spend with them. And that's what I found is really important. And one of the goals that um, my, wife, my wife's name is Claudia. So Claudia and I um, agreed pretty much in the beginning of our marriage was that um, Sundays was a holy family day. Nothing else happened on Sunday except spending time with family. And that's uh, our immediate family. Um, and that's like my dad, her parents, our broader family, and then also friends. So when you start to implement some of these um, procedures, I guess, into your life, um, it, it, people just understand that, okay, during the week, we're just busy, just getting things done kids to sports and everything like that. But on Sunday, Sunday's a time that we really connect and spend quality time together and then enjoy each other's company, recharge the family and then get after it again on Monday. Absolutely. Yeah. And to your point, it's so accurate that sometimes it's good to sort of have a schedule in its own way because when you focus on one task then you're really committing to it. Uh, you know, reading a book by Jim Quick and we spoke about this before when we won the phone as well was be present. If you're not present, you're never going to learn anything. That's what he says. But it's also being present with the people you're communicating, I guess, because that's how you pay attention to them. That's how people are going to start relating to you. If you're going to be sitting with people and then thinking about other things, people do realize when they're neglected, uh, you know, and that's family, whether that's business, it's all the same. Uh, and really, uh, I really agree with you when you say, you know, focusing on one thing at a time. So when you're at work, just focus on your work when you're with family or with someone then focus on them uh really well said uh, and you practice it practice it as well so it's amazing i am an imperfect man so i i, I tell you all <laughs> these things because these are things that i'm trying to do um but i have definitely not um you know i i if you speak to my my beloved wife she's telling you that i'm definitely <laughs> not perfect time manager um, or for having folks on time but this is these are things where i have learned over many many years that if i try and adhere to those or focus in those areas it's going to give me the maximum roi both at work and then also with my family absolutely and look this is what progress is like you you work on everything nobody's perfect in anything but it's how do you keep developing working getting better you will never be the perfect family man you'll never be the perfect work colleague but it's just progressing every day. And that's that's what it's all about, right? How are you better than yesterday? Uh, that's my goal in life always. Yeah, well, what I mentioned before about that journey. So the journey is trying to become the best version of yourself for now. Because the, the version of you today is going to be, is different from the version of you yesterday or a week ago and also a year from now. So yeah, I'm very much a believer of that as well. Yeah, thank you for that. That's great. Uh, hopefully people listening, you know, they... It's something that they can think about the journey as well, uh, which you already mentioned about. I'm a big believer of that. And yeah, uh, that's pretty motivating. So what I want to ask you now, you know, uh, this podcast is about obviously inspiring people, right? Uh, whether we inspire one person or 10, but the goal is to inspire anybody. So what advice would you give to people 
new upcoming entrepreneurs leaders or anybody sort of moving out and starting out because you know you you've gone through your experiences but there are a lot of people who are starting out new but they're also moving into a new life like myself you know from hospitality to marketing for example uh how in terms of a mindset how would you what advice can you give them based on your experiences to be honest you know ah uh, uh, yeah so so my advice to people who are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs so business is a skill set being able to run a business is a skill set that is is learned um so you can either go to business school and and learn an MBA learn how to do it that way or you learn by working in big organizations and then you start your own um but i think what people need to realize is that not everyone is going to create the next facebook or the next amazon you know out of their shed um i think what people need to start with is trying to work out their primary career or their primary source of income are they working with an area which is their their talent they already have an inherent talent and they actually thoroughly enjoy what they're doing so they need to sort of work that out first once i've got that really working the next thing is uh, i would suggest basically getting your money management under control so once you've got your money management under control and you get your savings rate up above 20% um once you start to do that you can create financial security and time freedom without ever starting your own enterprise yeah starting your own business is hard it's 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 one of the <laughs> toughest things um and and it's not for everyone uh you'd really need to have um a very refined skill set to be to to grow a big successful business um and it's and you know in the current climate of sort of um the global virus crisis covid-19 you know it's never been more difficult to be working in retail to 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 be working in any type of industry like literally the australian economy right now today is shut down right yeah it is not moving so trying to run a business or start a business in this type of um economy would be horrendous it would be it would be really difficult so my advice to someone who's looking at start, looking at starting is the first thing is to um make get your money management under control you need to have a business plan so you need to have an understanding of what it's going to cost you to set that business up what it's going to how you're going to run that business for the next 12 months um and then most early uh business owners are underfunded So what I mean by that is they haven't got enough capital to see them through the first 12 months. Um and what that means is they run out of money to either pay themselves and feed themselves personally so they have to give up the business um or they go into huge amounts of debt to try and fund this business going forward. So my advice would be to make sure that you're adequately funded and what ad- adequately funded means is that you need to have a minimum of a year's worth of fixed costs in a bank account ready to pay them all. and part of those fixed costs should be paying yourself a salary. So whatever it costs you to live, your business should be paying you that salary from the beginning. Wow. That is some good advice. So uh, definitely it's uh yeah, I was talking to someone and this is the same topic came up about myself as well. I sort of just went into it, but the more I see people that's the ones who made it or are growing up, they always talk about this like don't everything looks easy from the other side but you got to sort of plan and move ahead you can't just sort of jump into something and give up your 9 to 5 because 2021 everyone's talking about giving up their 9 to 5 and moving into something else you know uh, because the way the world portrays things just looks really easy but to your point you're absolutely right you know think about it uh, be smart don't just sort of jump into it and have your financials uh, 
ready to save save you in the future. Yeah. So yeah, so there's a there's a great author. His name is Mike Michalowicz. I'll send you a link. He's written a whole yeah. um, range of books: um, The Pumpkin Planner, Profit for Profit First, Surge, a whole lot of different books. But you so start and work your way through them. And if you work, if you're thinking about starting a business, I'd suggest having a read through all of those, um, and that will really give you a really thorough foundation for how to start planning the business. Building all the different components within in a firm, um, building a product is just one part. You got marketing, HR, <laughs> accounting. You know how to run your money. So his book Profit First really teaches entrepreneurs how to um, run the finances through their through their business, and then other other different books then help you grow and so on and so forth. Like there's so many business books out there um, and so many resources. Spend a lot of time um, really upskilling in those uh, areas. It is so important. I think I, last time I checked on my Kindle, I got something like 350 books, which I haven't read them all, um, but I do read a lot of them looking for or speed read a lot of them, just trying to pull out that golden nugget from each of those books um, and hopefully uh, learn something uh, from them. But most business books are, are pretty similar. Absolutely. Really, I love that point because, uh, you know, because it's, and I can relate to so many things because when I started out as well, I had no idea what HR or anything. I just thought I'm starting my own little business and, I didn't realize I got to, I will be scaling. I'll be hiring people. But I just thought I'm going to do it myself. And then I started hiring people remotely, uh, figuring out the payments and how things are going to work. And they want things on time. That was such an important element. But also when you already talk about HR, it's about that relationship building with that remote team. You know, you forget it's a business. You know, you can't just hire people and expect them to do whatever you want them to do. They want to be respected. They want to be nurtured. And, um, Running a business is not just about making money and making a sale with a client. There's a whole building block that needs to be built over time. Uh, love that point of yours. You know, look, I've been um, I've been employed for self-employed for sort of over 15 years, and over that time, I've had some like just phenomenal um, people work within my organization. Um, and then some of those uh, people have become business partners of mine. They've gone off and done other ventures together. Um, some of them have gone off and, and created their own businesses. Um, some of them are still working with us uh, with us today. Um, but really, your job as a leader, I think, is to really um, help each of the key people in your organization identify what their skills and talents are and then helping them flourish so you know you've got to be providing ongoing training uh mentorship you've got uh, uh, coaching potentially as well you've got to show them a a career path if they're going to stay with your organization and how both the organization um and those uh those people that are working within your organization are going to help you grow um you know the people in your business are one of your most valuable assets a lot of people think it's the widget they built. It's actually not. Um, the widget is just one very small part of your overall um, infrastructure in terms of growing a, an enterprise. Um, your people and the culture within that um, organization is so fundamentally uh, important. You have to get really get that right. I agree. I love that. I, I love your mentality towards bringing uh, <laughs> it up with that. So I'm going to end with one question. And I think this is going to be more about you because... We're living in Australia at this point of time. Uh, a lot of people are thinking about properties and investments. So from your perspective, in terms of Bricklet, where, what do you think people should be looking at when they're investing in property? In terms property? of property? 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the Australian property market has been on an absolute um, tear uh, since just after our first lockdown of the global financial crisis. You know, Byron Bay is up 75% in the last 12 months. Like, you're talking property prices nearly double. Well, it's gone up three quarters uh, within a 12-month period. That's uh, it's, it's a phenomenal amount of, of, of capital growth within any sort of area. But fundamentally, um, what people need to remember about any type of investing is that they need to thoroughly understand what they're investing into. So they need to understand what the asset class is. They need to understand how that asset class will actually perform in different economic environments. So high inflation, low inflation, um, high interest rates, low interest rates, et cetera. Um, And then so once they get an understanding of how those different investment or asset classes are going to perform, then they can make a decision on which one of those asset classes they're going to learn more about at any one time. And then from there, move forward. So most Australian property investors, they invest uh, or nearly all Australians' wealth, actually, is tied up in their own home. So 80% of Australians' wealth is tied up in their principal place of residence. And then outside of that, there's about 30% of Australians that own an investment property or about 30% of the the market, which is an investment property. Um, And then of those investment properties, 98% of people only ever buy one investment property. So when when you think about that, that decision to buy that one investment property needs to be perfect because you're going out and you're investing a huge amount of capital um, into this single asset within a single location. Um, so it's, it's really di- it's really difficult to do. Uh, my advice is if you're not gonna spend a lot of time going out and learning all the fundamentals of how to find good investments, then use a buyer's agent. Uh, and use a buyer's agent who specifically um, works with um, property investment. Um, and you want to make sure that you pay that buyer's agent a fee to go out and find your property, um, that those buyer's agents are not being paid by the developer. So that would be some of the things that my advice is. And, um, you know, have a top-down uh, approach to looking at investing. So the process that a property investor would go through is I have X amount of capital. Let's just call it $100,000. I have borrowing capacity of 650. So the area that I can play in is now below $750,000. So I need to buy, look for an investment property or investment location, which is less than $750,000. Then I would look at macro, all of Australia. Where do I think I'm going to get the most growth in the next three to five years? Um, And then in those areas, then break it down. Okay, from that key state or capital city let's just call it for example brisbane then from brisbane what areas can i afford for under seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars? and then that's how i would then start looking at those particular areas and then once you've identified all those different areas it's all about trying to get an investment property the highest amount of yield so your net rental return so um the higher the percentage of rental income that you're going to be able to achieve on each individual investment uh, means that you're going to be faster to be able to buy the next investment because you're going to be able to reduce your debt by increasing your income over time. So that's probably what we're looking at if you're just looking at prop- property investing. Um, what we do at Bricklet is we really um, level the playing field. So Bricklet is like um, we fragment um, a property title. So we take a whole property and we fragment that into individual Bricklets. Um, which allows uh, investors to build diversified, um, sophisticated portfolios um, throughout Australia. So for under $82,000, you can have a bricklet in Brisbane, um, in Sydney, uh, in regional New South Wales and in Melbourne. 
I'm getting a yield of about 5.5%. So when you think about that same um, type of investment structure, buying one single property with that same $100,000 or buying four different bricklets, um, you're going to be able to build that diversified portfolio a lot quicker um, and have, yeah, and, and, and hopefully be able to achieve a lot better long-term uh, returns. You know, till I came across you, I actually didn't know this concept before. Uh, it's quite an interesting concept at Bitlet, what you're doing. Uh, I haven't come across this before, to be honest. So definitely, I think if people are watching and they're looking to invest, uh, it's probably it's good to reach out to you and maybe you can even give them advice on certain things, you know. Uh, and I'm sure you have a lot of people reaching out to you. But yeah, that's, that's a pretty amazing concept. Uh, thank you for that, Matt. Uh, hey, you're welcome. With this, I'm going to be ending the podcast. I think we've gotten to know you a little bit and we'd love to know you more in the future as well. Uh, you know, discovering more about you, where you are today and how you started your journey. It's inspiring, it's motivating, but it's also pretty awesome. You know, just things you've done. Uh, I love your mindset, how you sort of think and idealize things as well. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much, Matt Brown, for coming uh, on my little podcast over here. And we hope to see you again. You're welcome, Chet. Look forward to coming back on board.